Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to Not Just Dribble. I'm your host, Eric Stein. And today, my goodness, today we are going to talk about Game 3, the Philadelphia 76ers versus the Toronto Raptors. This is straight after the game. I'm going to give you the behind the scenes. It's 11.14 p.m. as I'm recording this. Uh, it has been some time since we've gotten content out, but now the NBA playoffs are here. Please believe we will be ramping up content for you guys. I will be having podcasts about the NBA play-in, which unfortunately was overlooked, I think, by a majority of NBA media, so we will go back to that. We will be discussing playoff series. Uh, we will be having team reviews, uh, seasonal reviews for teams that were eliminated from the playoffs. Very much looking forward to bringing that content to you guys. And I just had to hop on the mic today. We'll be brief, but we have to talk about Philadelphia. Joel Embiid, game winner against the Toronto Raptors in Game 3 in Toronto. Score 104-101. to Joel Embiid, of course, MVP finalist. We will be talking about the MVP award sometime down the line. We do not have to talk about it tonight. But we will talk about this performance, which was MVP caliber. 33 points for Joel Embiid to go along with 13 rebounds, uh, 2 assists, 12 of 20 from the field, 6 of 9 from the free throw line. Uh, if you were listening to either broadcast, they would be telling you it, it was like Joel Embiid was out of this world uh, in a negative light. Out of this world is sounds like something positive. It was not positive. Uh, six and nine sounds you know terrible for Joel, uh, and it did feel a little uncharacteristic uh, for the big man. Uh, the rest of the 76ers will briefly go through. Danny Green, nine points, seven rebounds, very timely rebounds. Uh, James Harden, 19, 10, and 6. Of course, Harden fouled out at the very end of the fourth quarter. Tobias Harris, we'll, we will have to talk about Tobias Harris. 46 minutes tonight for him. 11 points, 12 rebounds on 4 of 9 shooting. Tyrese, my goodness, possibly most improved candidate. We will talk about that eventually as well. Uh, 19 points for Maxi on 47 minutes. My goodness, those legs uh, must be tired. Uh, the bench... There were only three guys tonight, uh, Shake Milton, George Niang, and Paul Reed. Niang, of course, being the breadwinner uh, when it came to bench scoring tonight for the Sixers. Millsap and Milton combined for 18 minutes. So not a ton to discuss in their PT, but nonetheless uh, still supporting. Really for the Raptors, the first half I think it was a tale of three players, but it really turned into two. Uh, OG Anobi, the leading scorer for Toronto, 26 points. Four assists, five boards, eight of 18. Very close. If he had about a second more, possibly could have tied the game up at the buzzer in OT. Uh, he played 45 minutes tonight. Gary Trent Jr., 24 points on 9 of 19. His shot making was gross uh, to watch live. It was filthy because everything felt like it was going in. And, of course, he was playing with illness, so this could very well have been his flu game for all we know. The other highlighted starters, Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam, 12 points each. Uh, Siakam, 6 of 16, which feels criminally low. Uh, certainly in the first half, it felt a lot better for Siakam, despite still having a tough shooting night. Fred Van Vliet, 3 of 13. Uh, needless to say, tough few games for Van Vliet specifically, but the Raptors as a whole. Precious Chua off the bench gave them 20 points. Now, we will talk about the critically missed free throws at the end of the game, but... That's terrific production considering the bench consisted of Chris Boucher, who only gave you three points, 
Malachi, Malachi Flynn, excuse me, only zero, only zero points. My goodness. You can tell that this is very much an improv podcast, and I will be releasing it as such. Uh, Malachi Flynn did not score in this game, and former Sixer Thaddeus Young, two points on one shot for five minutes of PT. I want to talk about this game at large because in seasons past, this is the perfect trap game for Philadelphia. Uh, you're up 2-0 in the series. You're feeling really good. You finally jet over to your opponent's home court. First quarter is a pretty miserable experience. Uh, 19 points for Philadelphia in that first quarter, 29 for Toronto. The crowd, honestly, might have been the most impactful player. Very active. Toronto has dedicated fans. There's no disputing that. And we could complain, possibly, about the calls. I personally can't, knowing that the Sixers in the first two games got the benefit of the doubt on some of those calls. Joel Embiid and James Harden, of course, are unfortunately, and I think wrongfully recognized as free throw merchants. Uh, that is the common terminology for their play styles. In this game, that simply was not the case. Uh, but regardless, Toronto came out firing, felt very hot. But only a 10-point deficit actually made me feel a little bit relieved. As a longtime Sixers fan, I was under the impression this would be like a 15-point lead or something that would get away. Uh, in the second quarter... Joel Embiid still struggling. Uh, I believe only finished with five points in that first half. And it was a kind of a balancing act to stay with it. Uh, it was a bit of Tobias Harris, a bit of Maxi, James Harden uh, finished with 19 points, as I said, as well as assisting. So it was a team effort, to say the least. Finish up uh, 27 points each team going into halftime. And at this point, I'm feeling pretty good. This is still a very much up-in-the-air game. Toronto does have momentum, but this isn't a game that has gotten away. And the Sixers' dreaded third quarters did not make an appearance in this one. 21 points uh, for the Sixers in the third. 18 of them were thanks to Joel Embiid. Toronto only managed 20 points in, uh, excuse me, 19 points in the third quarter. 28 points for the Sixers in the third. Joel did have 18 of those points in the third. Uh, really changed, I think, the tempo of the game because it felt like Toronto knew they were letting it get away from them. And even though they were still in striking distance, it never felt like Toronto's offense found its footing, uh, which leads to the fourth quarter, of course. Philly finally gets a lead. It's going back and forth. Some very poor execution, truly by both teams on offense, but leads to... A missed three. We'll just fast forward to the to the buzzer here, folks, uh, in the fourth quarter. Joel Embiid uh, holding the ball, letting the clock simmer down to force up a tough, borderline fading three to only be rebounded by Tobias Harris, who hesitates, has Raptors collapsing upon him, and then tosses up uh, a bunny that rims out. Sixers good overtime. This possession was frustrating for many reasons. First and foremost, this is out of a timeout. The Sixers had lost a timeout due to an unsuccessful challenge that saw James Harden foul out at the end of the fourth. So you only have one timeout left. You burn it a little prematurely after Precious Achua missed his second free throw. So 27 seconds left on the clock here. So you want this to be the last possession, of course. But in my opinion, you should go into that offense with a plan. Come out of timeout. They advance the ball. Get the ball in initially to Maxi, basically treading water near the top of the key. 
to have a post up. And again, post up is kind of in quotations here because this is essentially just dropping it in above the free throw line to Joel, who backs up into the left wing and is hugging the out of bounds on this side. And while I understood that you were settling for the last shot, Pascal Siakam at this point has five fouls. And Toronto has not been able to truly slow down Joel Embiid in this series. The game one, the free throw line is where Joel Embiid lived, which goes to show that he was still impactful on that end. For the final shot to be a three-pointer was frustrating. Uh, Again, this is the fourth quarter we are referring to. It was frustrating because not taking the defender off the dribble, knowing that with the length and size, you're going to get a decent look with the possibility of getting fouled. And to have a play fully just just fall apart into Joel Embiid tosses up for us was very frustrating. Uh, Coming out of a timeout, having the full possession for a Doc Rivers team to not have a play coming out of timeout, unfortunately was not a surprise, but nonetheless frustrating. Tobias Harris, of course, misses the bunny. In the grand scheme of things, I was upset at a missed layup. I believe Fred Van Vliet did foul Tobias Harris on that initial rebound. I believe he was going for the ball and came across his forearm. Again, it doesn't change the outcome of the game completely. It is just something of note. Tobias Harris still should make that layup. Nonetheless, it misses. We go to overtime. And overtime was a doozy. We saw Tyrese Maxey score almost immediately off the tip with a reverse layup, uh, and his legs just looked as fresh as ever, as fresh as as tip-off. So uh, thankfully Tyrese Maxey has his youth because 47 minutes a night for anyone is is simply not easy. And even though this was his worst three-point shooting performance in the postseason, in this hopefully young postseason, one of five tonight, he was still very impactful with his spacing, and his quickness and mobility helps prevent even more stagnation in uh, this Sixers offense. Toronto, I do want to focus on for a moment here. Of course, the Precious Achua missed free throws will probably be the highlight, uh, or low light, I should say, for the Raptors in hindsight. But I think the half-court offense for Toronto left a lot to be desired as well. I thought there was a little too much isolation around the top of the key with with Fred Van Vliet trying to lead and you know dish out the ball there wasn't a ton of traditional pick and roll and I found that odd because Van Vliet was getting a decent step whether that be on Maxi or Harden or Danny Green on a switch he was getting initial penetration but with a Paul Reed occasionally and mostly Joel Embiid looming in the paint Joel Embiid of course playing drop coverage per usual he was not going to go up for the layup or a floater knowing uh, that would most likely be rejected or you know, be factored by Joel Embiid's presence. But to not run a pick and roll to get either a Siakam, who I think really exceeds as a roller, uh, a Nobi who was finishing quite well, a Precious Achua, or a Kem Birch who almost exclusively feast on rolls despite Achua's you know, three-point prowess increasing, certainly playing the Sixers, I thought was peculiar. I thought the first half saw a lot of Gary Trent Jr. and Siakam hitting tough mid-range shots, which was good for Toronto because Philadelphia was struggling and their defense was terrific. But to not diversify that 
in the second half, I, I think was a disservice to the Toronto team. And as much as I like Nick Nurse as a head coach, Toronto fans are frustrated, and I completely understand. Just to keep it bear in mind here, Toronto had 10 turnovers in this game, which I think was better than the previous two games. Uh, uncharacteristically, they were turning over the ball a decent amount in the first two games. The Sixers in this one, who I believe coming into this game had 10 turnovers, uh, between the two games had 22. 22 turnovers for Philadelphia. In a regular season game, that often is essentially a forfeit. That is essentially a loss for any NBA team to have 22 turnovers. Uh, that discrepancy was was brutal. Uh, was brutal. And at the, the first half, you know, I'm just going to dive back into Twitter here to just re- to go over my analysis uh, mid-game. And at the end of the first half, at halftime, I said, for the Sixers, turnovers and rebounding are the killers. And to my surprise, because I was not checking the stats in the second half, I was too engrossed, the Sixers finished the game. Uh, tied with Toronto with nine offensive rebounds apiece. Philadelphia finishing with 46 rebounds to Toronto's 32. Which, you know, innately, uh, I would think, that's got to just beat Joel. He finished with 13 rebounds. But as I said at the top, Tobias Harris. 12 rebounds for Tobias Harris. Danny Green, a shooting guard who typically looms in one of two corners, had seven rebounds. James Harden, who we know is not exactly a Russell Westbrook in terms of a triple-double threat, but averages a good amount of rebounds prior to this, average five and a half. He had six in this game before the foul out. That's just tremendous. Tobias Harris, who I have been critical of basically any medium I've ever had, uh, let alone in person, four of nine shooting and 11 points does not look like much because often four of nine shooting and 11 points is not very much. But his defense has been outstanding in this series and he absolutely deserves credit for that I heard on the low post earlier this week that Tobias Harris is arguably the Sixers best perimeter defender with Matisse Thibel not being available in Toronto games this series and I step I took a step back and I thought to myself yikes could you imagine you know thinking about Danny Green has taken a step back on the defensive end this season I thought to myself, like, my goodness, yeah, I mean, Tobias is the one who's normally forced to switch in a lot of situations, but he plays power forward for this team, really nothing else. So having a power forward being your best perimeter defender is a scary proposition for, and sounding, at least, for any NBA team. But my goodness, I mean, he has absolutely lived up to the hype when it comes to the defensive end, which again goes, I think, a little bit to Toronto's stagnant, a lack of change, a lack of evolution in this Raptors offense through three games. And, you know, because this is, I'm jumping into game three, which is just a raw reaction here, I, I want to address the, the first two games of the series. Of course, Scotty Barnes, my pick for rookie of the year, goes down in game one uh, with a foot slash ankle injury and is out for the foreseeable future. Uh, we hope that he could return potentially in a future game. Of course, with the series being 3-0, one game to go in Toronto, he may not come back to the court, which is very unfortunate because Scotty is a pleasure to watch truly anytime he's on the court. I've heard Scotty compared to Magic Johnson and Draymond Green, uh, which sounds obviously, and you're right for assuming insane, 
But my goodness, he he blurs the line sometimes. Uh, for how young this player is, he just does too many things well to not give credit to the comparison. Scotty Barnes truly is, I think in a lot of ways, the future of what the, the NBA could look like. He doesn't quite have the pure athleticism or freight trainness of a LeBron and not quite the same finesse as Magic, but he kind of blurs the lines a little bit. His passing acumen is terrific. He knows where to go with the ball. He's not afraid to get fancy, especially on the break. And, you know, on the other side of things, where Magic lacks, of course, was on the defensive end. Scotty does everything well. I mean, this is a player who legitimately can guard one through five. Uh, as great as that player is, he unfortunately is not in the series, which is a big factor. And a lot of, you know, people, uh, experts and amateurs have said that the series is over because without his presence, Toronto could not hope to win, which is unfortunate. Uh, with that said, they do have some talent here. Toronto does still have some talent here that just has not held up. And that, you know, starts with Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet. And I think we will be having a very interesting conversation uh, especially in the offseason, talking about the Toronto Raptors and what I think their future can and should hold, uh, because there is still promise here, especially with Scotty, who I think I just gave uh, pretty good praise about. Siakam and Van Vliet, great players. Van Vliet, an all-star this year. Siakam, unfortunately the injury bug got him in the first half of the season, is all-NBA uh, consideration. I think he's fighting for an all-NBA third-team spot uh, this season. I think I just have him off my ballot this time around just because of time missed and inconsistencies, I think, with Toronto. But nothing short of excellent, especially in the second half of this season. Uh, so Toronto having such a t- very tough start, especially in the offensive end, uh, is definitely discouraging, I, I think, for the Raptors fans. Um, and as I'm jumbled here, I- we need to talk about overtime uh, and get back to it, which which just felt like such a peculiar thing. Nine points for the Sixers in overtime, six points for Toronto. Uh, it, it wasn't a, the same kind of foul fest. I think that much of this first half, uh, truly much much of this game really had, it felt like a foul fest in a lot of ways, despite the teams not turning those into shooting fouls. It was a lot of reaching fouls, a lot of ticky-tack fouls, I think, for either side. Uh, Maxi did terrific in overtime, like I said, despite... A very rough-looking three-point attempt. Uh, But Joel Embiid just... As I lambasted the last possession in the fourth quarter for the Sixers, they got the chance to basically duplicate it. And duplicate it they did, minus Joel Embiid making the shot. And, I mean, it was was gorgeous. I, I was stunned to see what amounted to a sidestep three be an absolute swish with... 0.7, 0.7, eventually 0.8 left on the clock. I, I was enamored with the shot to see Joel skipping up and down and the Toronto crowd being absolutely silent. It was chef's kiss. It was beautiful. Uh, I loved it. I loved every second of it. I still, the you know, the coach in me, the you know, the the basketball lover in me was so frustrated with that possession because there was not a play drawn up. There was no insurance policy if a play broke down. Uh, you know, this was that shot was prefaced with a Joel Embiid, same exact spot, caught the ball left wing with out of bounds being hit on his backside, 
that led to a poke that went back to the half-court line only to be recovered with Doc coming down the sideline, screaming timeout that left .9 on the clock in a 2.6 second game. So out of the timeout, Tyrese Maxey followed by Tobias Harris, uh, excuse me, followed by George Niang, circled the top of the key going to the right corner slash right wing with Joel being guarded by Precious Achua flaring out left right back to where he attempted that previous shot uh in this one he got the catch rose immediately and like I said a beautiful swish it was truly the only shot you could really get in that situation because of course under a second this is nothing but a catch and shoot situation having said that the offensive execution down the stretch really left a lot to be desired, in my opinion. I just think that for having the shooters on the court running virtually zero floppy sets, not getting downhill, aside from Tyrese Maxey, of course, James Harden had already fouled out at that point, but James Harden, his driving kicks have truly been driving kicks. Getting to the basket has not been commonplace, necessarily, for Harden this season, whether with the Nets or with the Sixers. So, moving forward... Certainly, I would like to see it in Game 4, any games after that in Round 1, if there needs to be some. I very much want to see Doc Rivers and the coaching staff please diversify the playbook just a little bit. Give me a few different sets, experience the crowd in Game 3, and I think that unsettled the Sixers a lot. Now, going into Game 4, you have a 3-0 lead, which, keep in mind, folks, has never been blown in NBA history. Three ones, which I'm sure many Sixers fans are familiar, sadly, uh, with Doc Rivers' history with them, have been blown. A 3-0 lead has never been blown in NBA history. I think it's 143-0, to just off the top of my head. So, we do not want to see something like that. Please, moving forward, we will be facing, one way or another, a very good NBA team. Most likely, the Miami Heat, who have... Similar defensive prowess as the Toronto Raptors, except they have a real threat at center and Bam Adebayo, a defensive player of the year candidate. Quite honestly, I think could have won the award this year had he played more games. And an offense that does not look pretty on paper. You know, Anyone who's been following closely, I'm sure just saw Jimmy Butler drop 45 points. Any Miami Heat fan will tell you that kind of came out of nowhere. And it took a bad defensive team like the Atlanta Hawks to allow that to happen. Typically, Miami has won because everyone contributes. Tyler Hero, who you know could very well be walking with the Sixth Man of the Year award this season. Duncan Robinson, a, a terrific catch-and-shoot player. Kyle Lowry, setting up the offense, giving you a dozen or more points per game. Uh, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, typically just being threats in the paint. And Jimmy, of course, getting to the foul line a great deal. P.J. Tucker corner threes, and and that sounds silly just even mentioning P.J. Tucker corner threes, but this is how Miami functions. Terrific team defense, good ball movement, of course, savviness, heat culture, all that. That is how their offense functions, and that has that has kept them at the number one seed all season. I understand we're, you know, more excited, I think, by Boston's Hall of Fame-esque defense, I think, that we've seen against Brooklyn thus far. And all season, and even of course the you know reigning champion Milwaukee Bucks, but Miami is most likely who the Sixers will end up facing, uh, assuming this first round goes swimmingly. 
and we will be covering that very intently by game by game basis moving forward but in success you still have to learn from these experiences uh winning i think the saying goes winning cures all ailments uh and can hide others as well i want to bask in this win enjoy this win you know of course the shot is being compared to Kawhi's 2019 dagger as much as the fan in me is appreciating the moment i know this team has higher aspirations and should have higher aspirations. We need to be thinking about that as well. And that means never settling, continually try to improve and move forward. And I very much look forward to that. Uh, Toronto, even if this series ends in a sweep, should be recognized as a good opponent. I think they've had a lot of bad luck, whether it be health, whether it be short-staffed, whether it be tough shooting performances, the whole nine. Still a very good opponent and only better opponents moving forward. So, in conclusion, Toronto, thank you for a great game. Sixers, thank you for a great game and performance. Everyone have a good one. Thank you for tuning in to Not Just Dribble. We'll see you in the next one.